The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by the Reverend Dr. Craig Troxell. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Hello, good morning. We return again to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 5. And here we read about love, that it does not, it is not irritable or resentful, that love is not irritable or resentful. Those are the two words we're looking at this morning as we continue our study uh, to understand uh, what love is is and how uh, we should embody this love and show this love. But first, let us go to the Lord in prayer and seek his help. Our gracious God and our Father, your word is clear to us with regard to our duties. It is also clear to us with regard to your promises. And Father, we pray uh, that we would hear these things this morning again, uh, that we would hear our duty, what you have commanded your people to do, not in their own strength, but through the power of your spirit and your grace, but also that we would hear what your promise to us is in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, what it is that you have done for us in him, what you will continue to provide for us through him. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I'd like us to take um, two words and pair them together to bring out two, two aspects of love and the qualities of love. And here... I think it's helpful to consider love relative to time. Usually we we associate love with people or situations. But here, uh, the way that love is unfolded for us and placed upon us as a duty is with respect to time. It's captured in these two words that love is not irritable and that love is not resentful. And the way I'd like us to think of these two words uh, is in this way, love in the, in the short run and love in the long run. In other words, what, is, what does love look like immediately, in the immediate future? And then what does love look like over time? And so I want us to think of these, these two things relative to time. First of all, love in the short run. And we read here that love is not irritable. Now, there are times when people say things and they annoy us, they frustrate us, they offend us um, because they're trying to to goad us and they're goading us with their words uh, provocatively in order to get a rise out of us. Um, I remember a video of some nature program of some men returning a caged leopard to the wild, but just before they open the door, one of the men takes a stick, puts it in the cage and starts poking the leopard, of course, which made the leopard very angry. And lo and behold, they open the door. What's the first thing the leopard does is he goes and he acquaints himself with the man who is poking him with the stick and leaves him a few presents for the rest of his life, I'm sure. But that's not what we're talking about here when somebody uh, prods us and they get kind of an irritable response. It's talking about those times when the problem is with us, that we were already irritable. In other words, as the, as the word here, uh, what it means more literally is that we're, not, we're so easily provoked and that we should not be so easily angered. It's talking about that, that state of heart when you're kind of looking for an excuse to erupt, uh, that you were already angry, you were looking for a fight. 
Like uh, Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver, when he says, you talking to me? You talking to me? Uh, He's looking to be provoked. And so it's talking about that situation where just the smallest thing, the little slight, pushes you over the edge. Because you are already, well, on your way. It reminds me uh, when I took a mountain climbing class uh, when I lived in Alaska. And, of course, one of the subjects we had to cover uh, was avalanches. And uh, the man who was teaching us, the head of Janae Expeditions, was oftentimes called upon to go uh, when there was an avalanche to help rescue people and dig them out. And he was telling us that oftentimes they would uh, descend upon the scene in helicopters. And if you looked on the ground, you'd see people waving their hands and saying, no, no, trying to wave off the helicopters because of this longstanding myth that the sound of those helicopters will trigger another avalanche. And he said, it's not true. It doesn't happen. In fact, he said, for that to take place, that snow on top of that mountain or that ridge would be so ready that if you stood up there with a pencil and threw the pencil on that snow, that's, what it, that's all it would take for that snow to go because of the noise. It would be that poised and ready to fall. And that's what's being said here, that this cannot be the case for us, that we are that close to the edge with our anger, that the suspicion is already there, our defenses are up. We were already angry. And so love is not like that. It cannot be too easily triggered because we are too deeply self-centered and therefore too quickly angered. That love in the short term means that we're not so easily goaded, we're not so touchy, uh, that we're not so quick to become angry, that we do not have a short fuse. It's interesting that this is actually uh, one of the qualities of God's goodness that we're introduced to in Exodus 34, 6, where it says, along with God being a merciful and gracious God, that he is slow to anger, that he is slow to anger, that God's wrath is not quickly kindled. And literally the phrase that we have there in Exodus 34, 6 is that God is long as to the nose and long not in terms of length physically, but as to time. In other words, it's a long time for God to become angry. And the picture there is that what you're not going to quickly see with God anyway are these flaring nostrils, this this telltale sign of intense rage and anger. Now, it's interesting that when I, when I first moved to Alaska, I, I walked into this home and there was a, a painting of a grizzly bear. And you saw the bear that was obviously angry, it was baring its teeth, but also I noticed its nose was turned up and painted in such a way that it looked just like a pig's snout. And I said to my friend Doug, who had lived in Alaska his whole life, kind of making fun of the painting and said, grizzly bears don't look like that. <laughs> and he smiled and he says, yes, they do. And if you see that, it's probably one of the last things you'll ever see. Because it's a sign of their anger. In the same picture we have here of God, Psalm 18.8 says, Smoke rose from his nostrils, fire came from his mouth. It's picturing here Mount Sinai. This, this breathing of nostrils flared, the clenched teeth, the breathing through the nose that becomes more and more intense. And what Scripture is saying is that it's a long time before the Lord shows these type of signs. It's almost as if Scripture is telling us, not literally, that God always takes a long, deep breath before he expresses his, his anger. That God is slow to anger. Love should be slow to anger. This is what love looks like in the short run. 
This is the type of love that needs to be seen in the moment and for the immediate future. This is a love we need, and this is a love that our neighbors need and our loved ones need. But what about love in the long run? He says here that love is not resentful. Literally, that love does not count the wrongs. It's telling us that we are not to keep track. We should not be like little bookkeepers pouring over the columns of our wrongs that we have suffered. That we should not be like Raymond in The Rain Man, played by Dustin Hoffman, who turns to Charlie, played by Tom Cruise, because he did something wrong and he writes it down on his serious injury list that's over a thousand things long. And that's, that's what love does not do. But this is exactly what we do many times. We keep track. We return to the record of wrongs. We, we brood over those number of, of things that have been done against us, and we become resentful, as it says here. And what can happen, of course, is we, if we have these records, those offenses, if we don't let go of them, they begin to sour, and they, they fester, and we don't stop thinking about them. And in fact, we don't want to. And you see, what has happened at this point is that choice has entered the picture. We have decided to coddle this form of anger so that it grows into bitterness and it gets to the point before long that we cannot forgive the other person. We don't want to forgive that person. We like the power, the control that we have. And so we wait for the right moment to cite these wrongs, to produce a record and show it to this person. And this is nothing short of revenge. This is anger in the long run. This is protracted anger. And it is an ugliness that we have chosen to feed and to nurture by choice. And love is not like that. Love in the long run forgives. Love wants to look past the wrongs that it has suffered Love wants to forgive. It it longs for reconciliation. And you see, love in the short term, it does not quickly jump to conclusions but overlooks those things. But love in the long run does not add up those offenses. It looks to cancel the debt. And this is the sort of love that God requires of us. And don't kid yourself. The only way that you and I can show this kind of love and produce this type of love is through the grace of God. And through the power of the Spirit of God indwelling us. Because this is about choices. This is about following Christ. This is about deep, godly character that is forged by the work of God in our hearts over time. It's interesting that sometimes something happens to you before you have a chance to even think about it. You react. And it, and it reveals your character. But sometimes what you dwell on over years or not... That reveals your character as well. And so God is telling us here what what he requires of us, and it is love. What love looks like in the short term, what love looks like in the long run. And this is a love that those around us need. And this is a love we should show them, because it is a love that God has shown us. See, that's the love that we see in the gospel. The love of God is seen in time, that he's slow to anger, but it's also seen over time in that he forgives our sin. And it gets to the very heart of the gospel promises to us. The forgiveness of sin is perhaps one of the most precious 
promises to us because we know our sin and we know what our sin deserves. Our, our sin deserves to be reckoned against us as guilt. It deserves to be counted against us. Our sin is an offense against the holiness of God. It is something that provokes his righteousness. It incites his, his anger. And so that offense has to be dealt with. And the offending party needs to be punished. The wages of sin is death. And there is no getting around the record of our sin. But when it comes to counting, the love of the gospel overcomes all wrongs. And this is because of what Christ has done. We believe that it's the blood of Christ that covers our sin. We believe that's the death of Christ that propitiates the righteous anger of God. In fact, we believe it exhausts it so that, as Scripture says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you and I are not condemned because Christ was condemned for us on the cross. And so we have this glorious transaction that God does not exact the wages of our sin from us because Christ has paid that price. That God does not pay us according to what our sins deserve. He pays us according to what our Savior has purchased. That God forgives that huge debt of our sin because it was all imputed to Christ upon the cross. And God accepts us as righteous in his sight because the righteousness of Christ is counted as ours. This is what we, we cling to by faith. This is what we believe. That through the gospel, God does not count our sin against us. He's not tabulating it. That God is not keeping score. Romans 4, quote Psalm 32, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Or Psalm 130, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand before you? But with you there is forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5.19, In Christ God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. This is love. This is love in the long run. God not counting wrongs, God not keeping track, God not remembering our sin. As John Owen says, sin shall never be called legally to remembrance. Never. Because God refuses to dwell upon them. He will not fix upon them. He does not keep a record. He says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You see, what Paul is telling us is that love is all about time. What we need for the moment, what we need in the immediate future, what we need for the long run, what we need for eternity. This is a love that we need. This is a love that we have in Christ our Savior. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our Father, we do thank you again that you look upon us in your Son. You count us as your own children, that you reckon us as righteous in your sight, that you see us as holy, and those against whom you do not count their iniquity. We thank you, Father, for these things that we, we hold to by faith that are ours in him who is faithful and true. All these things we pray then in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.
You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.